Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of ABC Cafe. I'm your host, Anthony Apodaca. Today's episode is a little bit different of a format because we have a guest interviewer, a member of the DSA, that's the Democratic Socialist of America, specifically the Champlain Valley chapter. And we have a guest from the Burlington Tenants Union I will introduce shortly. You'll notice the audio quality is not the best, and I can only apologize for that. Um, One of the consequences of not being able to record in person. Without further delay, here is the episode. All right, I'm here with Ben Brownell and Charles Winkleman. Uh, Ben is here as a guest interviewer. He is a member of the DSA, and he has been conducting a series of interviews um, to document worker and union responses in Vermont to COVID-19. And Charles Winkleman is the president of the Berlin Secretary. There is, there is no president. There's we no president. Yet. What are you? What is your role here? I'm just an organizer. He's uh, an organizer uh, with the Burlington uh, Tenants Union. Yeah. And without saying too much more, I'm going to pass it off to the host of today's episode, Ben Brownell. All right. How's it going, Charles? Thanks for joining us. Going well. Thanks for having me today. Yeah. How you doing on this blustery Burlington day? Um, week uh, four or five, I've lost track of the number yeah. of weeks I've been stuck inside. So uh, there was that one day it was really nice out and I was able to sit outside for like three hours and that like right. made my week. So <laughs> yeah, that gave me a lot of hope too. Yeah, no, I was, ta- I was actually talking to my therapist about it. Where I was like, yeah, I sit in like six different places throughout the day and then I just walk around. And so like being able to introduce a new sitting spot into my routine was like game. Yeah, it's big. It's big. Yeah. Yeah. So we just, uh, you know, wanted to chat today about the Burlington Tenants Union. I've heard a little bit about it, um, but to be honest, I, you know, don't know too much. Mm-hmm. And- I'm sure it's something that uh, you folks over there at the union want to project and uh, advertise. Definitely. So I guess the first question to start us off is, what is the Burlington Tenants Union? Great question. Um, We are just a group of tenants who came together about a year ago, last May uh, 2019. And we, uh, what we realized is that Burlington is 60% renters and yet renters are underrepresented in almost every aspect of government and in any place where there's power. Um, And so what we decided to do was let's organize together. Um, Over the past year, we've really uh, focused our organization on being non-hierarchical. And so, you know, as as the introduction went from Anthony, like I'm not a president, I'm definitely someone who has devoted maybe the most time uh, to the tenants union, but there's a lot of people uh, who are organizing when they can. And and I think that's one of our strengths is that folks come and go depending on, um, you know, where they are in life, how much they're working, Mm -hmm. uh, how their physical or mental health is. um, And and whenever they're ready to come back and and able to organize, we are glad to have them. It's a bunch of, uh, Anarcho-syndicalist is that the um, <laughs> correct? I would, I would say we definitely uh, we we hit the full left range. Uh, yeah. 
good. But we definitely um, are focused very much on base building and mm-hmm. kind of that dual power of creating a system outside of City Hall. Um, and part of the reason that happened is because when we were starting, we uh, listened to a lot of in- interviews with other tenant unions throughout the country. And one of the things that kept coming back to was how many ended up like tying themselves to specific politicians and just got let down. Mm-hmm. That's just how the political process works. Right. Hmm. So how did you personally, and I guess this core group of organizers decide to come together? Um, ooh, it, it had kind of happened through the DSA. So uh, myself and Emily Reynolds, who are the two uh, co-chairs of the DSA housing committee, um, we wanting to do something organized around housing for a while now and we set out just like an initial meeting uh last may or whatever where we checked in with a bunch of our friends who were either anarchists or leftists when socialists wherever it might have been and got you now commie you're under especially if they're anarchists and communists at the same time crazy idea classic sting Sorry, any, uh, no, no, no. I, I expect there to be some sort of FBI file before I die. So, I mean, if you don't have a file, you're, you're lucky. Not, yeah, yeah, you're, you're not, not doing, doing it right. You're not doing it right. If I'm lucky, they'll try to come after me. Anyhow, um, it, it's more, uh, yeah. And in, in like from that meeting, there was like 10 of us. And um, we were like, all right, this clearly has some legs because being mm-hmm. able to get 10 leftists from different strains together in a room to agree on anything is in and of itself a true uh luck and gift and skill and all of the above and we were like let's see if we can make it work nice nice yeah that's that's pretty astounding 60 percent of uh burlington residents are renters it's honestly probably higher um Mm. does that include the college or yes Okay. So that includes the college, that includes um, all like the 10,000 plus students who live in Burlington. Um, so that I think, uh, Anthony, what you said is is an important point is like that's been one of the toughest parts about uh, organizing is that so many of the renters are either only here for a few years, you know, they, they've already made up their mind, they're not going to stay. Um, or the universities are pretty wealthy. And so a lot of the students come from money. And so for them, renting is automatically assumed to be a temporary position. Right. Yeah, and I know. So, yeah, that I, makes uh, sense. Here in October, I was looking at the, uh, the prices on apartments. Um, and they were, yeah, they were pretty astounding. I lived in uh, Bend, Oregon last year, which if you know mm-hmm. any bend it's a a hub of rich californians that's where they go to have their third house nice but compared to there burlington was still on par um you know without the mansions yeah um and it's it's crazy i was doing like a uh a little bit of a talk that i was trying out just about like housing in burlington because i've done a lot of research and and uvm if you have a forced quad so this is a dorm room where there's four people just living in a room, bed bunk style, bed bunk style. Um, they're each paying $700 a month 
Wow. Yeah. Over that. So it's $3,000 a month for a bedroom. Like that's like San Francisco prices. Mm -hmm. And so you have thousands of students who are going through that. Then they come off campus. Not only do they get their own bedroom for quote unquote, only a thousand dollars a month, uh, but it has their uh, only a, a shared bathroom with one other person or two people, their own living mm -hmm. room, they can drink, they can smoke, they can have orgies, whatever they want. Um, so like, to, like that's one of the biggest roadblocks is that UVM has so much power. Uh, they're entirely mm -hmm. unaccountable. They're one of the biggest landlords. And I would imagine that that's a big problem in any college town uh, throughout the country. Yeah. Um, so on that topic of landlords, what is the I suppose, makeup of uh, ownership in Burlington? How How is the of the housing spread out amongst um, landlords? Yeah, yeah, um, in, in the landlord class. Um, so there's essentially like three or four different housing markets in Burlington. Mm -hmm. uh, there's the college student market, which is often a lot of redstone apartments. So those are either people who are in college or just graduating um, who are willing to pay up to uh, 1700 to over $2,000 a month for a two bedroom. Okay. It's one of the apartments that's newer, um, but it's still built really cheaply. So it's like, it looks nice and then it all falls apart pretty quickly. Um, there's another market where one quarter of all housing in Burlington is nonprofit and is technically not on the market. Um, that housing is generally ends up going to either people who are lucky enough to get a Section 8 voucher, um, or honestly, it ends up a lot of ways going to people who like are upwardly mobile, who like maybe have a college degree, but are working a $16 hour, dollar an hour job. Um, and so it ends up actually not, in a lot of ways, not supporting a lot of folks who are in the lower income area. How do they get those vouchers uh, despite their... So, so what, what ends up happening is either folks who are really low income get a voucher and then can rent from there. And if you don't get a voucher, it's usually because you're making too much money. And mm. a lot of those folks are college educated but who just are at the beginning of their careers, let's say, but they still qualify income-wise. On top of that, they have the education, the cultural background mm. uh, to be able to navigate the sort of paperwork and everything else necessary. I see. Uh, so they'll probably move out of those relatively soon. You don't have to. Particularly, okay. so uh, CHT in particular, they have single family homes. And so for the rentals, a lot of those folks are lower income, but for the single family homes, a lot of them are actually pretty moderately well off who at some point could or could have bought into the actual housing market, but chose not to uh, because they were able to get in cheaper. And then the last level is folks who are working class who either have a voucher or don't have a voucher um, and end up renting from uh, the worst of the worst landlords who are the Handys, the Boves, and the Bissonettes. And those three are notorious as slumlords who really just take advantage of like people who are either uh, formerly incarcerated, who are coming out of incarceration, people who are trying to get their lives back together after uh, opioid use disorder. Um, and they're, they're some of the uh, slimiest leeches uh, there. Um, and then 
And then throughout, you've got like uh, all of these quote unquote mom and pop landlords who, uh, you know, fall on the spectrum of like conservative capitalist and progressive capitalist. Um, and that's like a whole interesting, weird middle ground that, that we're trying to, to navigate. Yeah. Huh. So I guess in terms of people involved uh, with the tenants union uh, since its birth uh, last May, how many people would you say have joined or have been involved? And have you seen um, involvement spike uh, during this crisis? Yeah. So in the past year, I mean, we've seen hundreds of people come to our events. Uh, which included about 80 people who came to our first ever uh, tenant summit. And then about another 80 to 100 people who showed up for our city council debate. Uh, where we had 11 counselors, I believe, uh, all debating on one stage about rent control. Uh, it was the first time in decades that uh, anyone really had talked about rent control, particularly on a... Um, municipal level and from elected officials and so um i would say yeah we, we've had a good number of people uh, particularly recently there's been a huge spike uh in interest a huge spike in membership uh we really only decided on what our membership was going to be and how it would work a couple months ago and we have not been trying to push people to become members too much but Without even doing that in the past three weeks, we've gotten 40 members. Um, what does it mean to be a member? So to be a member, uh, there's a few requirements. One is that you cannot work for a landlord or a property management company. Um, now, if you worked out a deal with your landlord where like you're doing a little bit of work to cover you some of your rent, that's, a, that's mm -hmm. different. Like we mean like you're there, you, your interests are clearly aligned with them over us. Um, you have to be a tenant um, and you have to want to be a member and say, Hey, I want to be a member. And so um, we do have members who are from outside of Burlington um, and our hope is to encourage them and support them in either starting their own tenants union in their own community um, or help them, whether it's organizing in their own building. Um, we're, we're really uh, open to a, a broader model because landlords don't just stop at city borders they don't magically say i'm not going to buy anything in winooski just because i mostly own in burlington um you know the, the whole Jaden county and even then some we're all connected as renters in, in many ways hmm. so i suppose for uh, i guess the sake of the audience people listening and myself what are the goals of the tenants union? What do you hope to achieve? Why would having a union of renters be beneficial? Yeah, uh, you're gonna really challenge me here uh, for like, if I can remember exactly what our goals are, I'm sure. I'm <laughs> um, but the, the number one thing we talk about is the power dynamic and the, the power differential between a landlord and a tenant. Um, right now, a tenant in Burlington can be evicted for any reason or for no reason. Yes, that process may take some time, but evictions are, are a form of violence. Displacement and gentrification is a form of violence. 
And it's a, it's a form of violence that we allow because we prioritize the rights of property owners over the idea that housing should be a right. Um, and so a lot of what we talk about is as individual tenants, we will never gain power. You know, like any union, you're only strong in numbers. Um, and the more that we can support each other and the more that we might be able to help stabilize each other's own housing, then the more time we then have to devote to the union um, and, and to support other people in their own housing situations. Um, and so like that really is the biggest goal is really just building power so that uh, tenants can't be ignored. Um, the mayor, Mayor Weinberger's uh, housing summit that he had er, this past year was a great example of how him and most Democrats um, and even a lot of progressives in particular, of course, Republicans, I'd never consider renters. Um, he had a housing summit that didn't mention renters at all. Like it, we weren't even a part of the conversation. And so like that to us was really clear. It was like, okay, they're not gonna listen to us if we ask nicely, they're gonna listen to us when we have the power and we can demand um, to be heard. And, so and I that, suppose a lot of the power would come from the ability, um, if this union was to grow strong enough to uh, withhold, not not uh, labor per se, but to withhold paying the rent. Um, that, is that amongst the ultimate goals? So a rent strike or rent withholding is... Um, a tactic that could definitely be used towards that goal. Um, it is definitely like when you look at the, the range of tactics that are available, it is one of the biggest tactics you can use mm -hmm. uh, because there's a lot of legal ramifications. Uh, there's a lot of risk that you take when you, if you do choose to, to withhold your rent, um, mm -hmm. or maybe mm -hmm. you don't even have that choice, frankly, under COVID. Um, right. which is what we've been seeing is so many people who've lost their jobs uh, don't even have the option anymore. Um, and so um, the rent strike itself isn't a goal. It's more a means towards the, the, the end goal, which is building power, which is working towards uh, the fancy phrase is decommodifying housing, but just the idea that housing should be a right and not something that people make profit off of, not something people make wealth off of. Um, you know, in, as my personal example, um, I live in a, a building with seven units. Um, my one apartment, the three of us, we pay about $21,000 a year. My landlord's property tax is $22,000 a year. My landlord has owned this building since like the 60s. So consider the profit that he is making off of us. That's mm -hmm. profit that's just going into his bank account. Maybe it's going for him to buy more property but that's money that's not going back to the community in any sort of meaningful way. It's not stabilizing the community in any meaningful way. And so the, the repercussions that occur from a system where housing is not a human right, um, you know, that, that is like the big, big long-term overarching goal, mm -hmm. um, like shorter term uh, rent control, um, banning the box. I mean, there's, there's so many things we want to ban the box for folks who have a criminal history uh, because banning the box, I'm not sure. Yeah. So banning the box. So in some States uh, and in Vermont, I believe too, when it comes to employment, you're no longer allowed to ask and make people check a box about whether they have a criminal history or not. Okay. Uh, However, you can do that in housing. Hmm. 
um, folks who have a poor credit history or credit score can be discriminated against. Um, I mean, there, there's just a whole slew of, of, I think, smaller, more tangible goals that, that we also want to reach. But it's, it's the goal of those is to help people's lives get a little better so that we can all work together towards this much larger goal. Right. So I guess if I try to sum it up just for myself from what you told me, it's a building of collective, collective power so that the renters might have a democratic say in uh, one of the necessities of life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, un under uh, under capitalism, money is and wealth is is power. And so, uh, as folks who are often living paycheck to paycheck, we will never be able to to attain that sort of power in that sort of way. Um, but one difference between a tenant union and like a workers union is like we already occupy the spaces that we're paying for like mm -hmm. particularly during covid oh no i have to sit here all day i'm already sitting here in my apartment all day like it, it becomes much easier um, to to do those sort of bigger direct actions because a people have less to lose and b people are already in their spaces all day long mm -hmm. um and on top of that, like the more you're in a, your house, the more you realize all the problems that exist with your rental unit. Like if I'm only <laughs> here five hours a day, I'm not caring enough. But when I start being here at 22 hours a day, uh, you, you start really seeing how the landlord uh, has not fixed the apartment to the way that you know they themselves would even want. And well, I'm going to ask a question on following on that, which is, Mm. I how how do you see this changing in the long term in terms of people's willingness to organize? I mean, you kind of touched on it already, but I was wondering if there is something more you could say about that, which is, you know, because if, if people like are generally satisfied, but yep. slightly annoyed, they're not organizing. But if all of a sudden... Because what I, what I think was happening now is the real power structures of the country are being revealed in a way that is even mm -hmm. more obvious than they were before. I mean, it seemed obvious before, but now it seems like it's in your face obvious. Definitely. Um, and one of the things personally that I've had to do is like check myself because there's a lot of people now who thought they were more comfortable and who would have been much more aligned with the capitalist class who are now, now that their situation is, is more glaringly uh, precarious, suddenly they're coming to the tenants union. And, and part of being an organizer is like not getting upset or angry about that and trying to move them a little bit farther to say, yeah, this, this everyone, not everyone, but uh, your neighbor has been experiencing this since they were a child or like, uh, you know, go to the old North End. There's so many households um, that if they're even still there, were, have been experiencing housing insecurity for decades and just trying to help educate in a way to say, we're in this together. Don't leave us if, you know, you get your COVID check and suddenly you feel fine. Like, you know, that's why so much of what we talk about is about the power building and, and the, the network um, and the relationship building. Because like, if you're just in it because your situation happens to not be okay, like, 
then maybe the tenant union isn't for you. You know, we're, we, we want people who are going to be in it for the long haul and who recognize uh, how to build power. And what would be like a win that you could say, like, say someone's on that fence where they're like, uh, you know, historically speaking, I've been kind of fine, but this has put me in a position where now I'm not fine. So what, what would you offer to them to say, you know, not only can we help you out right now in this crisis and when you're fine, don't leave us, but here's why you shouldn't leave us here. Here's, here's a way we can even make it better than it was before. Definitely. Um, what's what's interesting is that in the past month, so many more people have come to us being like, we need a rent strike right now. And like all of the organizers are like, we would we would love if you want a rent strike. We want to support you. But like we need to talk about like the work, excuse me, the work that needs to go into that. Like we need to talk about the risks that you're going to take. Like, you know, you need you need to have a whole campaign around that because you can't just go from from uh, doing nothing one day to everyone rent striking. Um I mean, but what 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 we would say and, and what I say for anyone who reaches out to us, because at the end of the day, the tenants union does not we don't give out money. We do not give out rent. That is not uh, a service that we would offer, nor nor is that one we would want to do. Like, we're happy to give advice for people who, who reach out to us. Um, but we're kind of trying to work on some protocols that, you know, after we give advice, or help connect people with the organizations they need that we make it clear that yes, this is happening to you now, but there's no reason that can't happen to you again. Um, whenever anyone would contact us or we talk to someone and they'd say, yeah, I don't want to join. Uh, I have a good landlord right now. That could change. Your landlord could sell that, that apartment, that building at any time. My landlord, he became too old and one of his daughters took over. She's not nearly as considerate as my old landlord was. I had no control over that. Um, and so like making it clear that we don't have the power and yes, your situation might be good now, but like, um, the, the, like the one other way I frame it is like, would you prefer to be under a nice king or no king at all? <laughs> <laughs> like when people are like, oh, but some landlords are good. And I'm like, sure, some kings can be nice. They can shower you with money, but wouldn't you rather be free? I mean- is that not what America was founded on, to, at least in theory? <laughs> yeah. Good lord or bad lord? They, they've still kept their, the lord. From my, the they still have it in their name. <laughs> my favorite is when the people, the landlords, it's almost always like the worst of the worst who are like, oh, I prefer to be called a housing provider. <laughs> I'm like, all, all right, buddy, you, you, sure. It is a funny uh, term, landlord. I was thinking about that the other day. The Lord of this land. It literally. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty like, funny. Like, I remember reading about how in the Middle Ages, like, not that life was great and don't want to claim it is, but in the Middle Ages, like, most peasants were only paying one-tenth of what they grew to their landlord. <laughs> and oh, nowadays, man. we're paying, like, 30, 50, 80 percent. Like, particularly most new American families are paying upwards of 60 to 80 percent of their income just to their landlord. Like in so many ways, uh, the title of a landlord is much, much more, uh, I think, reasonable <laughs> than, than it even was in the past. <laughs> Middle ages, geez. Um, on that topic, I've just got to slot it in there real quick. Yeah. John Steinbeck fan myself, but there's the uh, classic quote, 
socialism never took root in America because we all believe we're temporarily embarrassed millionaires. I'm, well, I'm going to be rich one day, so I'm hanging out with you poor people right now because sooner or later I'm just going to leave. Sorry, buddy, you're not going to be rich. The, the most genius thing that um, – I can't remember the guy's name, but he was a – the housing person, I think it was under Taft or Woodrow Wilson. And he was kind of the architect of the American dream idea that everyone should own a small home. And I'm going to butcher this quote, but essentially it was, you can't be a communist when you have to focus on your own property. Oh. <laughs> and in a lot of ways, it's true. You, 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 you lose that collectivism. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, Personally, I, I, the, the more and more I've, I've been organizing and thinking about it, the more and more that I'm opposed to uh, private land ownership in general, because I think what it ends up doing is making people think about their personal needs much higher than the community's needs. Um, I mean, everybody is on board with the idea of private property, which is actually something I've been thinking about a lot. And I just recently read uh, Proudhon's essay, uh, Property is Theft. Mm-hmm. And just this idea of like, I don't know how you challenge the idea of private property in this country. Yeah, I have, you know, I mean, I have no idea. <laughs> and and a lot of people, you know, because it goes back centuries, and it, you know, people, uh, libertarians especially, like to quote Locke or whatever. But it's like the <laughs> at least when I when I went back and read some of the passages on property that Locke wrote. And it seems very clear to me that he was writing, you know, whoever goes out and tills the soil, like, is the rightful claimant. And it's like, first of all, you didn't, you didn't till anything, <laughs> you know, no. you, you didn't till anything. And then, and second of all, he actually says that there's so much land that it essentially doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, right. I'm like, some maybe things have changed in the last couple hundred years and that the general idea of property needs to be reevaluated. And here's, here's <laughs> how we can bring it back to, to the housing in Burlington is it's not just libertarians who feel that way. It is neoliberals. It's the Yimbies. It's developers. It's the mayor of Burlington. It's most of the city councilors. Like you try to talk to them about housing and they just go, oh, well, the solution to our housing problems is we just need to build more housing which is just entirely bullshit. You look at, at any of the statistics, um, what, what was it, 8,000 people who are making uh, like under $30,000 a year are spending more than half their income on rent, but we're gonna build housing that costs uh, $16,000 a year. Like that's not gonna solve anything. Like it's just perpetuating the same exact problem. Which is why I came, I, I... I'm sorry to hijack your interview, Ben, but I, I this, sure. this burning question because I, I think, because you mentioned it's not just libertarians. But the real, the real question for me is how do you challenge the idea of private property to reconceptualize it as as something inherently flawed the way we've been thinking about it? Because I think a lot of people get stuck because they're like, look, they own the building. Like what you know what I mean? Yeah. At least that's yeah, my I- impression and. I guess I would kind of challenge people to say like, well, what right do they have to own the building? I yeah, mean, what, I, why should anybody own dirt? <laughs> like, did you make the dirt? You know, I, I, and I don't, and that's when people go back to Locke and they say, well, if there's an unused piece of land and you actually make it into something, then that becomes yours. But it's like, why? Like, <laughs> that's not an argument. You're just saying that that's what you think should happen. 
not not only that, like going back to even my own building, like my landlord didn't build this building. You know, he might be, I've owned it for 50 years, but this building's 80, 90 years old. He didn't build the building himself by hand. He didn't even fund the, the building of this building. Like as a society, nothing we ever do uh, is our own. And particularly when you live in a city, I mean, all the more you're building on, uh, whether it's like colonizers or indigenous folks before that, like you're already building on so much that's already been done to the land. That wealth, and, wealth is created by the society, not an individual yeah. person. Yeah. And, and I think that, I think that's one argument, which is might be too big, but my, my go-to is, you know, I ask them, do you believe housing is a human right? In, in liberal Burlington, it doesn't work with everyone, particularly if like you're fairly conservative, but if, if you're a liberal who believes that you are a good person who has really good values, you you kind of can't say no to that. <laughs> you know, do you believe housing is a human right? And they might say, well, it should be. And then you, you know, then I'll be like, well, then you don't think it is. Or, or saying it should be isn't enough. Like, do you think it is a, a human right? Yes or no? Like, it's a, it's, it's a black or white question as far as I'm concerned. Like, if you believe it is, great. Then we can work together. If you don't, great. I don't have to have a conversation with you because if you don't, and if you're okay with homelessness and, and people living outside and um, frankly, most of the city is okay with it. Most of the residents I think are entirely fine with it. Um, then we have such radically different values. Why would I ever want to work with you? You know, if you can't recognize the humanity in everyone, it's not worth my time. Maybe it's, I guess it's a, a cultural barrier that's been built up over hundreds of years, but I, you know, I think a union's a good way to yeah. start yep. stepping over it and watch this segue. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> as we've got the COVID-19, um, wrecking not only uh, the health of our citizens, our healthcare system, but just the economy in general. Mm. You know, like Anthony was saying earlier, all the problems of this the neoliberal era of the capitalist, you know, global economy are laid bare even more so than they already were. And a lot of people, I mean, a lot of people are going to be in dire uh, financial straits um, while this is going on. And even after the initial high health crisis is over. Um, so in there, I'm wondering what the tenants union has already done in response to COVID-19 and what you plan mm. going forward. Yeah. So, um, one of the things that we've done is we, we put out a petition, um, that has gotten over 7,000 signatures for a rent and eviction moratorium. Um, unfortunately the city claims they don't have the power to do it and the state is refusing to acknowledge it at the moment. Um, but we um, are trying to like transition and think about some more direct action that we can take, which is always tough to do um, while you're supposed to be isolating. But I mean, I got gently scolded by a nonprofit housing person the other day for saying that a really big concern is that people are going to end up being literally indentured to their landlord that if you don't have money and you 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 can't be evicted especially in Chittenden County you can't be evicted just because you lost your job but you still owe rent what's going to happen 
You just got to owe a bunch of money until you pay it off. I mean, uh, honestly, we've, we've gotten responses. uh, Other renters have sent them to us who landlords say, Oh, well, you should take out essentially a payday loan or put it on your credit card or (laughs) get your parents to go sign. That's crazy. That's Yeah, of course it's crazy because the landlord at the end of the day, and this is like, goes back to that. It's like, you know, you, uh, you can't have housing as a human right and housing as a profit. They, they're, they don't work. And mm-hmm. landlords will always choose the profit at the end of the day, even if they might be nice at first. Uh, and so a lot of what we're trying to do is really just educate and organize right now. Um, we really don't have the capacity to run a statewide campaign, nor honestly, I don't think we really would want to. Um, You're an anarchist. You can't run a statewide campaign. <laughs> I I mean, I, I we would do it if we could. But yeah, I'm, I, I'm always like, I don't know. I don't know. Statewide campaigns have to focus on the legislature. And I'm like, no, let's just focus on landlords. Let's make them hurt. Um, but our, our hope really is to, to support people who can't pay and are going to strike. Um, because we think if that starts happening and you start hearing stories of landlords who aren't getting paid because the whole building went on strike, that's going to start putting pressure um, in a more direct way because uh, our elected officials are all landlords are homeowners almost entirely. And those are the folks they're friends with and listen to the most. And so, you know, we, we could spend all this time trying to organize a campaign statewide, or we could say, all right, you want to organize in your town? Great. Let's get some people striking. And if what gets through the grapevine to the governor is, oh yeah, throughout the entire state, you know, 300 people are striking against their landlord. This can become a really big issue if we don't solve it. Yeah, I think that's the angle because, and full disclosure, I am not a renter. I am a homeowner. Oh, no, it's fine. It's fine. We, 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 uh, and I do rent to 15 families that have erected tents in my backyard. We've, uh, and they'll pay one way or the other. But we, we don't know. We all started, uh, when we started, we had so many conversations about like who, who can be a member. And although homeowners cannot be members, you can 100% be allies. Like, you're you're on our side until you build an ADU, an accessible dwelling unit, one of those stupid little houses in your backyard, <laughs> and start renting it out, and then you're dead to us. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, it is interesting just because for for me, I guess I would say that it, it's. I don't own my house. The bank owns my house. So it's a very, it's also like an interesting dynamic. Um, but that's yes. neither here nor there for, for this, for this conversation, I suppose. Well, 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 can I, can I add something to that is that when we looked and researched other tenant unions um, in larger cities with a uh, more working class background, they had to navigate that um, because they, in some of those unions allow homeowners, small homeowners, mm-hmm. you know, maybe uh, tricked into buying their homes, uh, Detroit or, or, you know, some, some low income area uh, where, which has been disinvested by capitalists for decades, like, you know, they got tricked into it, but they've, yeah, I mean, that, that is an honest argument, I think, as long as you own just your one home and not a second or third home, in which case I'm like, <laughs> I don't care if you own it or the bank owns it. <laughs> yeah. Well, the other thing I wanted to say on that point about uh, renter strike is I think what, if you really think about it, the, the landlords do not have the power. 
because if people if people mobilize because if if a couple buildings and a couple of the big renters what who who are they possibly going to rent out the building to even if everyone left like there's not a bunch of people with jobs especially right now I mean, they're t- their hands are tied behind their back, right? I mean, it's the same kind yep. of thing I've been thinking about with all... I mean, I don't know what's going to happen. I run a small nonprofit theater uh, mm-hmm. that I rent out. Uh, I rent, you know, from a, in the South End. And I was thinking, well, like, if we have to just... If we have to stop paying rent, and would we get evicted? Just because who's going to take over the space right now? <laughs> Sure. Right. So there's there's kind of a double whammy because there's there's the pressure of the collective strike, but then also the the idea that someone else won't rent it from you. And the whole idea of like sort of a free market is that if one person doesn't want something, someone else will take it. So like if here's the price for here's the price to rent an apartment. It's fifteen hundred dollars a month. If you don't want to pay that, someone else will and you can go find another building where but like none of those dynamics are relevant now if they were ever relevant in the first place no no it, it is and uh just today a uh student a uvm student messaged us and was like hey i signed a lease for june 1st i'm not i'm not moving oh, to burlington I was just thinking about that yesterday i, was like, I mean when when you think about true. that's in in landlords are scared because they're I mean, it's because it's capitalism. Like uh, business owners are are scared too. Like you look at all the strikes happening nationwide right now. Like they're not being organized by unions for the most part. It's people who are just saying, "Fuck this! I'm not working. You're not paying me enough. We've had enough." Um, yeah, who is the like, Amazon guy in Queens? Chris. Um, yeah, oh, I can't think I of his, name. his last name, but look it up. Google yeah. Chris Amazon Queens, you'll find it. Yeah, they went they went after him. He was a uh, uh, black is he is a black man who uh what was it? Essentially he just they weren't they someone was sick with COVID and they were trying to make them all work. And so he organized and was like, fuck it, we shouldn't be working, it's not safe. And uh Amazon specifically targeted him. Uh and, yeah, it's and, pretty nuts. And fired him. But I mean I think it shows the the fear that uh you know, our capitalist system, it, it'll survive, I'm sure, but it's its taken a really big blow right now. Um, and, and so landlords are scared because you can only extract half of everyone's paychecks for so long uh, before, if they don't have money, they're not paying you. Uh, corporations are defaulting on their rent. They're all telling, like, uh, the, the cheesecake factories and shit. They're like, yeah, we're not paying rent this month. <laughs> like, so where cheese- are we gonna get our cheesecake? Like, if cheesecake factory can say that, like, why? why? <laughs> I think you. I mean, no offense, Charles, but you're missing something very important, which is that the cheesecake factory is too big to fail. <laughs> uh, I've never actually been into one, so it, that could be the case. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just letting you two know that um, I've. Plenty of notes here to bring you two down once McCarthy <laughs> dug your own grave throughout this entire interview. And uh, the overlords of the Cheesecake Factory will. <laughs> when the chief, when the Cheesecake Army comes after us and drags us from our beds, that's when we're going to be really worried about it. Um, but, but like it is, like uh, yeah, it's it's just it's fascinating to watch how scared the landlords are right now. Um, it's fascinating just to watch 
And like, that's why to me, the, the power dynamic is so important because you're seeing a shift in that power. Like you're seeing it in real time where so many people who, who had this power are suddenly, frankly, at the whims of their workers. Like the, the amount of power workers right now have is incredible. Um, and so, yeah, it'll be incredibly interesting to see what happens. I, I think workers I in hope, essential businesses. Well, I hope a lesson that people learn is like when the government has an actual safety net, workers are willing to go on strike and shit. Like, like I feel like a lot of the reason people are going on strike is they're like, okay, you're going to pay me unemployment anyway. And, you know, hopefully I'll get this one time payment from the government. Maybe it'll be more and I'll just stop paying rent. Like that'll keep me covered for six months. Who knows what's going to happen after, but like, sure. I'd rather take that risk than risk dying alone in a, in a hospital bed because, uh, you know, I'm a low income person and a person of color and, and, and you don't have a, uh, you know, you don't live in a, in a city or a state that is given the resources or, or necessary to keep you alive. So like, I mean, yeah, we're, we're seeing it. We're seeing the, the, gross inequalities of capitalism right now and, and how they play out so if i understand this correctly like the uh, tenants union mission at this point um is basically to build that circle of power get more people involved educate them um on you know the, the kind of power that they hold in their hands as as renters mm. uh, are there any more like concrete um actions going on at this point or is that to come um i think right now because of the the influx of members um we're really trying to get people uh keyed into what we're doing and, and more involved mm -hmm. um you know it's one of those things where the more people who are able to help us and build uh along these campaigns and organize the more organizing we can do and so like and some people are feeling a little frustrated from us about it, but like our plan right now is to almost kind of take a step back and really just focus on organizing. Um, and yeah, there might be some actions involved. There might be some other things, but like, I mean, the rent strike 2020 thing uh, was started by folks who were not in any sort of tenant union. Um, I've talked to some of the other tenant unions. Most of them are not frustrated, um, but blindsided by it, you know, like, like yeah, the folks who it's want a scary rent, thing though. it's scary and the folks who want this rent strike like don't i don't think recognize sometimes how hard and how scary it is and and um yeah the law is written it's 100 percent in favor of the landlords <laughs> and not and, and not just to say you're fucked just now like it goes on your your rental history your eviction is is with you for the next five years or something like yeah i don't know exactly what it is in vermont but like it's written in a way where they just want to crush you if you take any sort of power if you try to exert any influence um and so like all the people wanted to rent strike on april 1st we were like that's way too soon um yeah and it's april 1st people aren't going to take it seriously <laughs> people wanted to <laughs> People wanted to rent strike May 1st. Like we want to support people who do, but we're like, we're not going to call for a general rent strike. Um, and in particular, like all estimates show that this, this uh, isolation is going to occur for the next 12 to 18 months. So I think we really have to look at it as a marathon where it's almost not even as much, what do we do now? Because worst case scenario is people withhold rent, you know, whether they, they choose to or they're forced to. Um, 
you know, they're going to do that regardless. So it's not really what we do now. It's how, when this starts to end, are we able to say, no, you're not screwing us over. Like we have the power and now, now we're going to rent strike. Mm. Now that we have the money, we're still not paying you. Now, good luck evicting 500 people from the city of Burlington all at once. We'll show up. We'll show up. Our bodies will be there. Um, And so that's kind of what we're trying to figure out is like, what can we offer people? If they rent strike, what can the tenants union say? We will offer you this. If sheriffs come to your door, you call us, we will be there. Um, You know, because unemployment is expected to hit like 30, upwards of 50% for the next year. So like this issue isn't going away. Yeah, it's not going away. And and, uh, anyone who thinks it is, is is deluding themselves. So yeah, the numbers of like 20 to 30% unemployment, that those numbers come from organizations like Goldman Sachs. It's not like, you know what I mean? It's, it's not like, it's not like yeah. Bernie Sanders saying it. Uh, no, and I just read a study that said one third of people under the age of 45 no longer have health care, and half of people over under the age of 45 don't have jobs. Like that's astounding. That's an astounding number. Um, you, you don't just magically come back from that. There's no reset button. And so I think uh, educating and, and organizing and empowering people is really the way that we're going to be able to see that long-term uh, growth. Yeah, I think it's great. I think it's great what you're doing. I, I, I like the anarchist thread. I, I like the idea of self-organizing. I think that's much more powerful than sort of kind of just sitting on the sidelines, hoping Bernie Sanders gets elected president and just starts right. cutting no, everybody's checks or whatever. Um, yeah. So I, that's all, that's all there is. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and we uh, like our organization is not anarchist per se. It's more just like non-hierarchical. So like we, we want to help people organize and, and we're happy to take lead on that. Um you know, like like right now, uh, we're trying to help people in Minuski organize their own tenants union. Mm-hmm. Um, after this, uh, someone from Bennington reached out and wants to try to organize their own tenants union. Nice. So like we, we really want to create kind of this network of support um, where we're able to like, you know, if we have enough resources, we're able to shift them around depending on, you know, what community or what building or what neighborhood needs the most support at that time. But I mean, I guess, you know, talking about all this, talking about the uh, owner class and how much solidarity they have within themselves. And as you're saying, there's about, what, 400? Yeah. Yeah, I'd say like the 400 biggest ones have a lot, a lot of power. Well, I'm going to, you know, point out the obvious that the workers are a lot more workers. Yeah. Uh, If we, you know, ever want to stand up to uh, the owner class, the capitalist class, We've got to find that same kind of solidarity. And it sounds like that's what you're trying to build there at the Tenants Union. There are 24,000 renters in Burlington. If you are an electorally minded person, um, I don't know, the mayor gets 4,000 votes, 5,000 votes, and he wins. Mm. 24,000 renters. I mean, the, 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 the potential is there. It's, just, it's tough. A lot of the folks are honestly the most marginalized. Um, mm-hmm. You know, because if, if you can get out of renting, it's cheaper to own a home and pay a mortgage. Uh, yeah, that's what's the craziest thing to me 99. is I pay less money by yeah. like five or $600 a month to for our mortgage than I was paying for our rent, you know, and that's... And you're, and you're building wow. equity. 
and, and I'm building equity. So and, yeah, and for no reason, <laughs> like there's no real reason. We were gifted some money because of yeah. generational wealth. Like I didn't do anything. <laughs> yeah, and, and honestly, um, in Burlington, and I'm sure this is everywhere else, but like anecdotally, most of the people who are buying homes now in Burlington are people who have generational wealth. Uh, yeah, obviously, the only people that I know who have bought homes. <laughs> have got money from their parents yeah yeah how else can you afford a down payment it's crazy <laughs> yeah you, you can't what you, and these are also people who are educated who are you know with phds or masters or whatever and it's like you don't you just there's no way you can get a master's or or higher education and then at the end of it make enough money to pay back your student loans and save no. up 80 grand to put a down payment no. on a house no not at all and in, in uh, a few years ago, when I was running for city council, I knocked doors up in the hill section, and there was a bunch of homeowners there that like really frustrated me because their response over and over again was, "Well, I would never be able to afford this home if I tried buying it today." And I said, "Okay, so you realize like, <laughs> what that means?" And they're like, "Oh no, no, I, I still want to uh, uh, cash out as much as I humanly can from this one unit, and I will sell it eventually to an investor. But it would be really great if there was more." people living here who were families. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not wrong though. The line of logic isn't wrong because no, not at all. Because that's their retirement plan. Cause yeah. their, their, their 401k just got decimated again. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Okay. So it's, it's, it's not necessarily a, a bad thing to think that way. But it's more like for me, I was like, then you can't complain. Like it's, yeah, like, yeah. You, you can't complain. Cash out. <laughs> you, you zip your lips. You say, sorry, neighborhood. I'm taking mine or you, you know, you complain and say, all right, we're going to need to do something which might limit your own uh, wealth. And that's the uh, problem with liberalism. It's people that want to have their cake and eat it too, basically, you know? <laughs> and then like you suggest like any sort of like, uh, like uh, vacancy tax or like uh, tax to keep uh, property from getting inflated. And they're like, oh, but I own this. How dare you trample on those rights? And then you're like, all right, so now we're back for yeah. Or you're like, hey, well, let's change the zoning in your neighborhood so that we can get denser housing and blah, blah, all these great. No, oh, well, no, because that's going to put my property value down. Or then I have to deal with more noise or more car traffic. And then you're like, okay. So, you know, as opposed to like, I live in an apartment and like, I think, I, I like think about this a lot where like if I, if this building was communally owned, I would put so much of my own time and effort into making it look nice. Yeah, you hear the opposite argument though. People say the opposite, right? We're like, you know, it's like, oh well, if it's, if things are communally owned, they'll just go to shit. Like, look at then they'll name some random park in like some poor neighborhood where like there's trash. Right, <laughs> right. Where, where there's the, the capital has been taken entirely out of it, and everyone's living paycheck. No, it's um, it, it's what's funny is that there was a landlord in Burlington who said made that argument who owns like five. Uh, five million dollars worth of property and he was like oh well they never they never stay and i was like well do you ever offer them more than a one-year contract and he went no <laughs> i was like well you don't get stability then so <laughs> right uh well we're gonna we're just about out of time so cool. uh ben do you have any final questions um just uh if you could give uh, the listeners just uh, a few ways to uh, support the tenants union uh, if you're so inclined yeah um please uh check out burlington tenants union.com um 
You can email us at BurlingtonTenantsUnion at gmail.com. Uh, if you are able to help organize uh, a rent strike or a rent withhold, um, what we're trying to do is identify as many people as possible who cannot pay rent or who are willing to uh, take the risk and sign on um, at, in an, a show of solidarity. And we know that uh, not everyone may be able to. We know that it uh, depends on individual situations. But as always, the more people we get, the more powerful and the less risk there is. And so like that, that would be our biggest thing is, is reach out to us. Um, if you're listening from somewhere outside of Burlington, we would love to help you organize. We uh, would love to try to connect you with similar minded folks who live in your community. Beautiful. All right. All right. Uh, thank you, uh, Ben. And thank you very much, Charles, for joining me on the podcast. Yeah, thank you, Ben. Thank you, Anthony. This this was great. I'm always willing to nerd out about housing. So. All right, cool. <laughs> All right, have a good one and uh, wash your hands. Bye.